0: 1 John chapter 1, verses 6 through 10. Word of God says this. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you are light. We ask that you would shine your light into this place, that you would shine your light onto us, Lord, that you would help us to see by your light what is good and true and real, Lord, that you would help us to see by your light what is false and what is is wrong, Lord, so that we may deal radically with those things that interfere with our intimacy with you. And so, Lord, we pray that you would teach us that your word would be a light unto our path, a lamp unto our feet. Lord, that you would shine your light and that we would see the brilliance of the gospel, that we would see the beauty of Jesus through your word. We pray that you would be with us now, that you would teach us and lead us into your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, light is a good thing, but light does not make everything good imagine that you're in a dark room it's pitch black and you're searching desperately searching for something incredibly valuable maybe it's your wallet it's your keys it's your phone some some priceless treasure that you're that you're looking for if you're searching for that thing in a dark room a little light is going to be incredibly helpful Imagine, though, you're not searching for something valuable. You're not searching for something good. Imagine for what what you're searching for is not a good thing. Maybe it's a dangerous thing. Something that you're looking for because you have to get rid of it. I broke some glass the other day out in our driveway and I needed to position myself just right so that the sun would shine on it, that it would reflect back so that I could see the danger and I could sweep it up so that my kids or my dog or somebody else in the neighborhood didn't step on it and, and hurt themselves. Whether you're searching for something good or searching for something bad, it's good to have a little light in your life. Not because the light makes the bad things good, but because the light reveals what was hidden so that we can see clearly to deal with it appropriately. Our text today deals with the concepts of light and dark. When we think of these words, many things could come to mind. We can think uh, heat and cold. We can think life Death, day, night, lots of different dualistic principles can come to mind when we think about light and dark. But often when we talk about darkness and light in a spiritual context, the things that come most quickly to mind are the concepts of good and evil, the light and the dark sides of the force. But that's not what's happening here. See, light, according to John, is not the same as goodness, and dark is not badness, as if the two were locked in some eternal struggle to overcome the other. Rather, light, according to John, reveals both good and bad things when shined into the darkness." Light reveals both good and bad things. And so something that we need to recognize about light is that light always wins. Darkness can never overcome light. If you want to dim the light so you don't flip on a dark switch, you dim the lights. You have to turn the lights down low. If you're in a dark room and you turn on the lights, there's nothing for the darkness to do. It goes away. Light always wins wins because darkness is not the opposite of light. Darkness is the absence of light. And so God is light. The light has shone in the darkness, the gospel of John says, and the darkness has not overcome it, nor will the darkness ever overcome it. But that light's still shining on the bad thing. Why would we want light to shine on the bad thing if the light isn't going to make it good? The light doesn't make things good, nor does the darkness make something bad. Light simply reveals what the darkness kept concealed. And so it's with that understanding that we read in this text that God is light. Now, God is not literal light. God is not photons, as if you turn on the light and God is there, you turn off the light and somehow God just disappeared, right? God is not literal light. John does not want us to worship the sun. Rather, God, like light, reveals what is true. God reveals what is true, whether it's good or bad, God exposes what is really there. And so if you're in a dark room and you're searching for something, whether a good or bad thing, light reveals the scenario and it's it's appreciated. The light shines into the darkness and you can help to see what you're looking for. And so light is appreciated. But if we change the scenario, if we're not looking for something, But instead, we're trying to keep something hidden. How do you feel about the light now? See, when we're looking for something, light is good. When we want to keep something hidden, light makes us feel a little different. See, how we feel about the light depends on what we're doing in the dark. How we feel about the light of God depends entirely On what we're doing in the dark. See, if we love what is good and true, then we love the light. Because the light shines into our lives and reveals in our lives what is good and true. And if we're occupying ourselves with goodness and truth and the, the light hits us, then other people see that goodness and that truth in us, we become like mirrors reflecting God's light into a world for all to see. See, if we if we love what is true and good, we will love the light. If we hate what is evil, we will love the light. Because God's light also reveals what's not good. And so by God's light, you can quickly identify the things in your life that ought not be there so that you can eliminate them. Right? if we go back into that dark room scenario, and, and, and we're, we're searching for a bomb that's about to explode, you rejoice when you find it so that you can disarm it. If you have such training to disarm a bomb, otherwise it's like, a bomb, run. You search for it so that you can find it and disarm it. So, whether the light exposes something good or bad, if we love the truth, and if we love what's good and we hate what's evil, then we love the light. We're just thankful to see the truth. But if we love what is not good, then we hate the light. If we're harboring sin and hiding ourselves from the conviction of God, then we hate the light. John 3.19 says, And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. When our works are evil and we're not particularly motivated to do anything about them, we run from the light. and We hide in the darkness. See, what keeps people from God is not some intellectual argument against his existence. It's not some apologetic uh, uh, problem that, that if we only reasoned with them, then they would finally believe. No one has ever been reasoned into the kingdom of heaven. See, people resist God because they don't want to give up the things in their life that they love that God has ruled to be not good. Because to bring those things into the light means that you need to get rid of them, and you like them. We like them. We might not be proud of them, but they offer this strange comfort. We might even know that they're wrong, but, but, but we like it. See, this is the deceptiveness of sin. We know that it's wrong, but man, I don't, I don't know that I want to live without this thing. I don't know that I can live without this thing. Something that we're afraid to bring into the light. The same things that keep people from faith in the first place are the very things that keep Christians in the dark. We think if I bring this into God's light, if I reveal this thing in my life, this thing that has been tormenting me, this thing that has been tempting me, this thing that has been teasing me, poking its finger at me, reminding me that you're not that great. You you don't trust God. You're not living an obedient life. This thing that I hate and also love at the same time, if I bring it into the light, I will either be forced to reject it or risk that people will reject me because of it. And so we keep it in the dark. We keep it hidden. We keep it concealed. See, how we feel about the light depends on what we're doing in the dark. And if you only come into the light when you feel like your life is full of goodness and righteousness and godliness, then it's not actually the light that you love. It's yourself. You think you're pretty special in those moments. And so like a trophy on your mantle, you've got no problem arranging the light so that it points directly at your pride and joy and and, and glistens for all to see. But then as soon as the habits in our life become less than desirable, we hide them. We lock the door, we scurry and bury them in the darkness. And so all of us, Whether you're here today and you know Jesus or not, John is is calling us to step into the light. God's call on our lives today is to step into the light. This is God's invitation to you that if you have never trusted in Jesus and the thing that you're afraid of is that you like being a fun person and Christians have no fun because they don't get to do A, B, C, and D, the reason that you are rejecting the God of the universe is not because some intellectual argument that you have put forward as this, this uh, uh, linchpin in your atheistic existence. The reason that you don't come to God, if you are honest, is because you don't want to live the way that God wants you to live. And if you are here and you have trusted in Jesus, the reason you keep your sin in the darkness, the reason that we don't live authentic, transparent lives is because if we bring this thing into the light and let God and other people see it, then they will not let us live a life that is different than the one that God has called us to live. They'll actually hold us accountable. But the invitation today is to walk in the light. As God is in the light and Christ walked wholly and truly in the light, we too must walk in the light. And this means that we must live life with authenticity. To live life with authenticity. To to be authentically ourselves. And when we live life with authenticity, we are actually able to have an authentic relationship with God and with others. If we lie about who we are, or if we lie about how we are living, we will never be truly known. And if you're not truly known, you can't be truly loved. And so we try to be loved without being known, shining the light on the things about ourselves that we like and hiding away in the darkness the things that we don't like. And so any fellowship we have with God or any fellowship we have with one another is tainted by the reality that we're only living a half-life. It's not that we are an imposter. We're not necessarily putting forth something that's not true, but we are hiding away certainly things that are true about us. Think of what it would be like to fall in love with someone and have a relationship with them for years. And then find out years down the road that they lied to you about their name or their career or some other important thing about them. We can't expect to experience deep relationships with God or others if we don't come into those relationships with authenticity. This call to walk in the light is not just to to bring your sin out of the darkness and into the light so that everyone can publicly humiliate you and put you in the stockade and throw tomatoes at you because of your sin. No, the invitation to walk in the light is so that you can be known And so the love that we can have for one another is real and actually based in who you are and who God has made you to be so that we can have truly authentic relationships. See, all of this is to say that if if you're not experiencing the intimacy with God that you desire, maybe it's because of the things that are in the dark. This isn't to guilt you, this isn't to shame you, but I have conversations with so many people so often who so desperately want to experience the presence of God. They want to encounter God's presence, his goodness, his joy. They remember a time in their life when God felt so near to them and they're in a season of life where God does feel distant. And I'm not saying that if God feels distant, then there's definitely something in the dark. But what I'm saying is you can't ignore the possibility. You can't ignore the possibility that there may be something in the dark. King David talks about hiding his sin in the darkness. Psalm 32 verses 3 through 4 say, For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. So that describes the condition of many believers in the world who know the truth but are keeping the truths, they know the truth about God but they're keeping the truths about themselves away from God or away from those who love them and want to see them thrive. So for many, the reason people lack spiritual vitality and life and joy could be as simple as being dishonest or rather not forthcoming with God or with others about the things in your life that ought not be there. Maybe the reason you find no joy in in Christian fellowship in the body of Christ is because you're not bringing your full self into the communion. You're only letting people relate to half of you. you are part of you. You're keeping something back, fearful that your relationship with those people would change if they truly knew who you were. And here's the irony. The people I trust most in life are people I know the gnarliest things about. I trust them because they they told me. The people I have the hardest time trusting are the people I've known for years, and I don't know a single evil thing about them. I know it's there, but they don't want me to see it. What are they hiding? What are they hiding? See, confession doesn't break trust. Confession builds trust. It builds trust over time. See, churches are full of people who want this fellowship with God and with others, but are so scared of being exposed because of this power of shame. Man, shame is brutal. Shame is, is this, this, uh, this lie that the enemy uses in our life. That thing that you're thinking about right now, you're like, I can't bring this into the dark. Adam, you don't understand what's going on. All it would do is cause damage to me and other people. And I can't talk about this. And you don't know what you're talking about. And, 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 and it's got to stay here. Nobody can know. It's got to be tucked away. If life and the world will continue to exist, nobody can know this thing. It's the lie of the enemy telling you the, the, the power over you is that it will be worse for you if you bring that thing into the light. And I have to tell you that it's a lie. Living in shame is worse for you than simply letting God and others see what's really going on. This is the power of shame. Jesus wants to set you free from the power of shame today. Imagine that. For those of you in this room who are experiencing this shame, experiencing this fear of what might happen if you let God truly take control of your life today. That fear and that discomfort that you're experiencing, that fear and that discomfort, that Adam, please shut your mouth, stop talking. I can't hear it. I can't bear it. That fear that you're experiencing, imagine in an instant Jesus takes it away. That's what he wants to do for you today. Whether you're a believer or not, if you trust in Jesus, the word of God is true. The word of God says, confess your sins. And Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Shame is unrighteousness. He can cleanse you from that today. And this will mean that many of us may have to lay down our idol of reputation See, when all we are is what people say about us, we will never be free to be who God has actually made us to be. We'll never be free to be authentically ourselves. And the remedy, the way that we kill shame and the way that we kill the idol of reputation is not by cleaning up our lives until it's worthy of being displayed. It's simply stepping into the light to come into the light as Jesus is in the light, to step into the light as you truly are, to be honest, to confess your fears, your failures, your addictions, your sins, to confess your loves, however illicit they may be, to bring these things to God, to give God access to the dark places so that the light can shine in. Now, when you do this, you may actually realize that you have more to confess than you previously thought. Or you may actually realize that your sin is worse than you thought. But nobody is excluded from redemption as the enemy would have you believe. As bad as you think those things might be in the dark, nobody is excluded from redemption. And like stepping out of a dark theater And the pain is the the light hits your eyes. It might be shocking. It might be painful a little at first, but it's also warm and good. And in just a few moments, you forget about the initial sting of the light in your eyes, bringing your sin into the light, stepping into the light and out of the darkness may be uncomfortable at first, but the freedom that comes is unlike anything you've experienced before. And so what keeps us today from walking in the light? There are three ways that we can respond to the light. We can recoil from the light because we think our lives are too repelling. We can wait until we feel better about ourselves and then come clean about our minor infractions or those things that are so far in the past that we feel like they don't have any bearing on our identity anymore. Or we can simply trust that God's word is true Believe that his grace is real and step into the light without reservation. But here's the truth. We will never be able to walk in the light that God is apart from the power that God gives. You'll never be able to walk in the light that God is apart from the power that God gives. Only God can give us the power to step out of the darkness. Verse nine says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, here's the good news. God already knows. God already knows. God is light. He sees everything. Nothing is hidden from his gaze. Psalm 139.12 says, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as day for darkness is as light with you. Hide your stuff in the darkness all you want. You're not hiding it from God. He knows. We're not telling him something that he doesn't already know. Confessing is just agreeing with God that this thing in my life that he calls sin, we agree. It is. It is sin. It doesn't accord with his nature or character. It's not what he wants for his children to be involved in. Confessing sin isn't telling God anything that he doesn't already know. He knows. See, confessing sin isn't telling other people what they don't already know. The, the, the basis of the Christian faith is that you are a sinner. I am a sinner. The very basis for Christ coming to die on the cross for our sins implies that we know that we're sinners. We might not know the specifics, but I know there's something. Right? We don't, we don't boast in it. We don't celebrate it but it's there. It's real. We know the gospel levels the playing field. It doesn't matter what your sin is or what another person's is. It doesn't matter how small you think your sin is and how great you think your spouse's sin is. It doesn't matter. The gospel levels the playing field. It says depraved and loved. God already knows. He knows what's in the dark. And he loves you anyway. Isn't that insane? Imagine, you know, I, I love as a pastor, I get to officiate weddings. It's one of my favorite things that I get to do. And my prayers for couples who are getting married are always the same. God, on their wedding day, don't let that be the best day of their life. Let it be the foundation that every day is built upon. Right now, yes, they love each other. Right now, yes, they're choosing each other. But 40 years from now, choosing each other is going to mean something significantly different. It's going to be significantly more powerful out of after 40 years of not only good times, but 40 years of difficulty. That day, You wake up on your 40th anniversary. Man, I hope that there's a joy and a peace in that day that is utterly different and more profound and powerful than the day you got married. Because you know one another better. You can love one another better. You are fully known. Everything that's in the dark you are fully known and you are fully loved. There is no love on the planet like that. God already knows and he loves you anyway. And because of what he knows of us and because of his love for us, he already forgives. He already offers you forgiveness. When confronted in our sin, we often look forward and we are fearful of what might happen. We are fearful of what people might say or what they might do. But God calls us to imagine not what might happen if we confess, He calls us to be realistic about what will happen if we don't. See, a life in the dark is a life. Away from God, because God is light. And so if we don't bring it into the light, our fellowship with God is hindered. That's why John says, if we say we have fellowship with God, and yet we walk in darkness, we lie. John calls you a liar. You're either, you're either uh, uh, lying or you're de- seriously deceived. He doesn't call us to look at what might happen. He calls us to look back and receive what he has already done to guarantee a future in the light. See, the reason God doesn't turn his back on you because of your sin is because Jesus already paid the price for your sin. See, he took your rejection, he took your shame. The shame that you experience right now for your sin is like acknowledging what Jesus did and trying to take it off the cross. No, Jesus, you can die for the penalty of my sin, but I'll take the shame. I'll wear the shame. The shame is mine, Jesus. You can have the sin, but I'm going to keep the shame. That's ridiculous. He experienced your shame. He suffered your penalty on the cross so that you would be forgiven of even the worst crimes committed against God. Jesus died for every sin, past, present, and future. Every sin we could ever commit. And so the enemy tells us that if we confess, we will suffer. But God's word tells us that we are able to confess because Jesus has already suffered in your place. Isn't that good news? That's good news. Act like it guys are quiet. This isn't that heavy. That's good news. This is the reason that we can come into the light without fear. Because Jesus knows. He loves you. And he wants to set you free from your sin and shame. Isn't that a sweet deal? It's beautiful. And so we look back on what God has done in order to look forward to the fruit that will come. The fear that, that we will be rejected We're afraid of this, this, this thing that we're going to be rejected, but we've already been accepted. You have all the acceptance you'll ever need in Christ. You have all the approval that you'll ever need in Christ. You have all of the love that you will ever need in Christ. We could come into the light not to be approved of, but because you are approved of through faith in Jesus. That doesn't mean that walking in the light will be easy doesn't mean that we, find we won't find ourselves in life going back and forth from the light to the darkness or trying to stand in between, kind of ride that fine line. It also means that there's not necessarily, there might be consequences to our sin. I know a man who very recently decided that he wanted to take his faith seriously. Was kind of he was walking that line, like, "I believe Jesus, but I don't necessarily know if I want to be all in." And the reason he didn't really want to be all in is because of this stuff in his past that he didn't want to deal with. He wanted to take his, his faith and his identity in Christ seriously, and so he confessed his sin, not just to God, like in the quietness of our, of our own hearts, which is good, not just to people confessed his sin to God, he confessed his sin to people, but but to the police. He went. He went for it. Went and turned himself in for stuff that he had done a long time ago. He's going to do some serious time. He's behind bars. He's more free than he's ever been. There are consequences to our sin, Yes. Yes. But the consequence of confession is freedom. And there ain't no bars, there ain't no penalty that can overcome the light. The freedom that the light of God brings freedom from shame, freedom from your past, and free to experience the fullness of fellowship with God. I think some of us need this freedom today. We do. Jesus died to give you this freedom today. He raised from the dead to give you a life greater than the one you could possibly imagine. He gave you his Holy Spirit to give you power to overcome the darkness. And today he gives you the opportunity to turn your ashes into beauty. He gives you the opportunity to trade your past for his future. He gives you the opportunity to be transformed To not be the person you once were, to not be the person that you are today, but to be fully united, your life hidden with Christ in God. And he gives you the opportunity to tell God about your flaws and your failures and receive freedom from them. See, apart from Jesus, our flaws and failures are just that. They're flaws and failures, period. But in Christ, our flaws and failures become the context for us and others to see the redemptive work of Jesus. See, our past becomes like the black velvet backdrop that jewelers use to, 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 to cause the, 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 the brightness of the diamond, the brightness of the gem to stand out all the more. See, when we confess our sin, our sin does not become the focus. It moves into the backdrop so that we can see the bright, shining diamond of the gospel all the more. See, this is what I love about the Old Testament saints. I've talked about this before. The Old Testament saints were a bunch of failures. Like they were were terrible people. They did some great things. It also did some despicable things. But the reason I love them is because their sin just becomes an arrow to point to their need for Jesus. And your sin can become an arrow that just points to yours and everyone else's need for Jesus. It doesn't become the focal point. It becomes the backdrop where everyone looks at the light of Jesus. We can step into the light today and let the light of God show you not only what's true about you, but let him prove to you the power of Christ's love that cleanses you from sin and shame so that you can reflect him to the world. So that the world will see the diamond, the beautiful treasure that Jesus is. And so as we come to our time of response today, as we come to the bread and the cup, We do so acknowledging all that we are. All that you think, all that you feel, all that you've done, all that's been done to you. And we invite God's light to shine on those things. We're fully known and fully loved by Him. You can bring it all to God today because you can have the confidence that you will not be turned away. You are fully known and fully loved. And though we are tempted to believe the lies of the enemy, that who we are or what we have done excludes us from fellowship with God or excludes us from communion with God or exempts us from receiving the bread and the cup, yet we trust grace, Your sins are forgiven. And though you are not yet perfected, Christ gave himself for us. He gave himself for you. He invites you to the Lord's table, not because you're worthy, but because you're loved. He wants to be with you. And if you've trusted this grace and received the forgiveness of sins in Christ, then you can come forward and take the bread and the cup, remembering and rejoicing. Not because you are without sin, but because in spite of your sin, Christ invites you to walk in the light of God and experience his grace. See, light does not make bad things into good things, but God makes sinners into saints transforms us. He makes sinners into saints. We are called the redeemed for a reason. The church is called the redeemed of God. We are redeemed for a reason. We were redeemed from something. See, the reason we are called the redeemed is not because we were always so good, but because God always is. He's good, isn't he? Just say he's good. He's good. He's great. Yes, one up me. Thank you. He's good. All the time. Let's not leave this place without letting the light of God do what light does. Let him show you who you really are so he can show you how his love for you is greater than you might imagine. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are light and that your light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not overcome it. God, thank you that there is nothing that your light can expose in us that catches you off guard or nothing that makes you grimace or turn your head the other way. Jesus it was because you knew our sin that you left your throne in heaven and ran to earth to suffer in our place to set us free. Pray Lord that as your light shines on this place today as we as we glorify Jesus as we remember the gospel the good news of the forgiveness of sins. As your light reveals who we are. I pray, Lord, that you would let us see what you see. That despite the things that ought not be there, you look at us and you see Christ. Lord, let us leave this place as the tax collector left the temple In Jesus' parable, when the Pharisee gloated that he was not like lesser men, the tax collector beat his chest and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, this man left justified that day. God, may we leave here justified, not because we justify our sin, but because we have been justified by the blood of Christ. Have your way among us. Set your people free. Set your people free into the joy that you have for us. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.